Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. What's up, guys? Um, welcome back. Tonight, we're going to be wrapping up our series out of um, 1 John, talking about love. And tonight, the topic is love's choice. Um, normally, what I've done when I've spoken in the past is I've had y'all read the scripture together as a group. Um, but since we're showing this now in the building, um, that could be kind of awkward to pause it for everyone and then have to wait for everyone to finish. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. I know that starting with just reading out of the scripture is not the best hook to get y'all's attention. Um, but I kind of need to establish where we are because of how the topic works tonight. Um, so this is out of first John two, three to six, and then two verses later in the passage, it says this. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And then later in 15 to 17, it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And then I'm actually going to add a scripture here um, out of James 2, starting in verse 18, because I think it gives good context to what we're talking about. It says this, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So I want to talk a little bit about what is meant by the world here when it says, if you love the world, if you love the things of the world, Um, because often we can hear that and we think us versus them. It's Christians versus non-Christians. And I think that's kind of true, but there are um, colliding worldviews here. Um, one that is rooted in scripture and one that is not, and it could be rooted in, in, in a multitude of different things. Um, so I'm gonna give you three examples of where we would see the worldview of scripture and obedience leading to a love for God or coming from a love for God versus where, what the world would say. So the first example I'm gonna give is money. Um, Nothing wrong with wanting money. Um, Most of us want money. The older you get, I think the more your desire for money will grow, especially if you live around here and it costs like $3,000 to live in a basement apartment. Um, it's, It's tough to grow up and not have a desire for money and desire things, but the attitude the world is gonna have and the attitude that scripture talks about are totally different. The desires are totally different. The world is gonna tell you, man, get all the money you can by whatever means necessary. Um, get all the fancy clothes, get the fancy car, get the big house, put it on social media. I mean, when I think, when I drift toward a worldly 
view here, the thing that comes up in my heart is I want other people to see what I have and be jealous. I want them to see what I look like and be jealous and want what I have. We see the opposite in scripture. We see you have money, good, it doesn't belong to you. Um, give it to, to the church so that they can use it for good. Give it to the widowed, the orphaned, the marginalized. Um, you have money, good, give it away, um, is what we see in scripture. The world has this view of greed, and it's worth noting that greed is talked more about in scripture than almost any other sin. Um, and then we see scripture that is generosity. They're two polar opposites. The second example I want to give is alcohol. Um, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. Um, I'm going to take a moment and ask you to make eye contact with me through the camera, okay? It, it, scripture also says, it, follow the rules of your country. So if, if you're of age, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. Um, however, scripture gives us a guide for that as well. It says, be sober-minded. Um, practice temperance with this. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a drink or two, but, but be able to function, you know, like Jesus drank wine. Um, but, but be careful, know the limit. Um, the world says, man, go have fun, drink as much as you would like. Um, and scripture gives us a guard against that. And the last thing I want to talk about, maybe the more awkward and controversial thing I want to talk about is sexuality. Um, over the last 20 years or so, actually definitely longer than that, religion as a whole has talked about sexuality like it's bad. Like this is a fundamentally wicked and evil thing about you that is to be hidden and pushed away and never talked about. And, and that is the furthest thing from how we see it expressed in scripture. That sexuality is a good thing. It is a holy thing even. Um, if your sports are a part of your identity, if your interests are a part of your identity, if the music you listen to, your grades are a part of your identity, then surely this thing God has given you about yourself is going to be a part of your identity. Um, it's a part of how God made you and who you are. There's nothing wrong with desiring to express that. But again, scripture gives us a guard on those desires of how to express that in a way that's honoring to the Lord. And he says, look, I'm giving you a covenant um, that you will have with this other person. And, and you can express your sexuality in this context, in the context of this covenant, but Outside of that is not the appropriate place to e express sexuality. The world would say, this is not a precious thing. This is not something to be guarded. This is, this is just a fun thing that you can do for pleasure with someone else who says, okay, I'm okay with doing that. Um, but scripture says, no, this is a, this is a bigger deal than that. Um, and like everything else, our sexuality is broken and there is a whole myriad of problems that comes up there. Um, but the point of these examples is this. We all have desires, and whether or not you obey, based on these scriptures, it's seeming to say if you love God, you'll obey his commandments. This is an issue of desire more so than it is action, um, because it's easy to desire the things of the world. It's difficult to desire the things of scripture. Um, it's difficult to desire to be generous when in our hearts we want to gather things. It's difficult to practice temperance when we're in a group of people with alcohol, when everyone else is drinking and having fun and we're sitting there not being able to participate. It, it, it's difficult to watch a world that is sexually flippant 
and maybe overly expressive and then to have to be the person that says, no, I'm gonna protect that part of myself. Um, I wanna go to the passage in James that I read. Um, and what's said there is, show me your faith without works and I'm gonna show you my faith by my works. There's an order here. Um, often these passages of scripture are used almost as a weapon um, to say, hey, you're not doing the, the right things, so you should do more of them to make yourself a better Christian. You need to prove that this is true. But there's an order here. You, you don't see works and then faith. You see faith and then works. Um, if you were to keep reading in that James passage, what you're going to see is Abraham used as an example, and it's saying that Abraham's faith was confirmed by his works, not the opposite. It wasn't that his works, or, or his... Um, it wasn't that he, he did a lot of things and therefore he had faith. It was that he had faith, therefore he did all of these things. Um, I want to take a moment and call attention to that this poses a problem um, because we all fail. You know, those, those first two passages out of 1 John, we read that and, and go, okay, well, if you, if you know Jesus, you'll be like Jesus. And then we reflect on our own lives and, and we don't look like Jesus very often. Um, you know, I talk about greed and alcohol and sexuality, and it's likely that all of us have failings there, that we have failed in those areas. I have failed in a lot of those areas. Um, so I want to take a moment and point us back to the gospel and to grace to, to end this talk. Um, this functions as a warning. Um, we're good at deceiving people. Um, for a long time, something I prided myself in is that I was a pretty good liar. Like I could convince people of things that weren't necessarily true. Um, we're really good at deceiving ourselves um, into thinking that we're something that we're not, especially if you're like me and you were raised in the church in a Christian home and went to a Christian school and had Christian friends and are looking at going to a Christian college maybe. Like it's all we've ever known. And so we think, of course, I'm a Christian. These, these texts call us to reflect in a really serious way on whether or not our actions are confirming a faith that's real. Um, a lot of people I know can look back on their life and say, hey, I have failings and I'm grieved by those failings. Um, I've repented for those failings but I also have good works and repentance in and of itself is a good work, right? So they can look and say, hey, I think I have a faith that's real by my actions and my repentance for the actions that have been wrong. But maybe you look back and you don't see that. You know, maybe there's, you know, a, a, mean, a meanness toward other people, a, a, a bitterness toward how you treat people that are different than you. And there's no feeling of, of, of remorse for that at all. Maybe it's a lust issue. Maybe it's pornography and there's just no guilt or anything anymore. Um, you're totally numb to sin. Um, guys, this is a hard thing, but it's a necessary thing to reflect and say, hey, do, do, do I practice what I preach for lack of a, of a better term? Um, everyone has seasons um, where they're on fire and extra obedient and people have seasons where they're going to walk and the good news of the gospel is that even when we're not faithful to him, he's faithful to us um, if we belong to him. But this is a discussion worth having. Um, whether or not our, our actions, the title of this is love's choice, whether or not our choices reflect a love for God or a love for ourselves and a love for the world. Um,
So as y'all go into groups, I want y'all to talk about that. Um, some of you aren't going to be comfortable. Um, sin, there's a shame that comes with it, unfortunately, um, that it's difficult for us to talk about. We don't confess to one another often. So if you don't feel comfortable doing that with your group, get with your leader later one-on-one and have that conversation. Find one of us on staff and have this conversation. Um, it, it is a relieving thing to talk about sin um, because we learn we're not alone, but also people can point us back to, to, to the truth either of, hey, I don't think you know him. And that seems like a scary moment, but gosh, it's a joyful one um, to realize you never got it, but now you get to get it. Um, but also to be encouraged that, hey, if you're in him, there, there's no condemnation, only grace. Um, so I would encourage y'all to go into your groups with vulnerability tonight um, and reflect, talk about this. Do, do, do the actions that you take reflect the faith that you claim to have? Um, I'm going to pray for us and then let y'all go. Father, um, help us see ourselves clearly. Um, It's very easy to feel like a good person, to feel like we made the right decisions, but but in reflection, realize that that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Give us an honest assessment of ourselves and our faith. Um, Encourage us if our faith is real and we're struggling. Remind us of the gospel. But Father, if we don't know you, show us. Um, and also remind us of the gospel that maybe we've talked about but never have really understood. Um, God, I pray for courage in these conversations. I pray for protection over these conversations as people share, um, that confidentiality would be important and expressed and respect would be there. Um, God, I pray that that you would be in the conversations that happen tonight um, because they're difficult, and we know that you dwell in those places. Um, We pray this in your name.